Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, welcome back to Pocket Full of Crime. If you have not watched Tiger King, drop everything. Well, after this episode, drop everything and go binge watch it. I have never felt so shitty about my own life. I've been living my life all wrong. Why didn't anyone tell me when I graduated that I had the option to own 200 tigers and wear bedazzled leopard print shirts? So how is everybody? How are you doing during this quarantine? How are you staying busy and sane? I, for one, have um, become the world's worst homeschool teacher and I've gotten pretty good at day drinking and my diet mainly consists of Cadbury Easter eggs. I also thought that I would get a lot more podcasting work done and yet here I am the evening before my episode is set to air and I'm dragging my feet. Not that I haven't thought about this particular case for weeks now. I'm actually excited to share this case with you and hear your feedback and your theories. I am tempted to start a pocket full of crime Facebook web sleuth group. And if you don't know what that is, just Google it or look it up on Facebook. Um, and that way my listeners and I can toss around some cases we are following or interested in. Let me know what you think of that idea. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Pocketful of Crime. As always, give me a follow, share, and review. So let's get in to what you came here for. The creepy shit. This is the disappearance of Joseph Bolduck. across my email. I received an email from a lovely lady who actually listens to my show. Her name is Michelle and she is from Florida. She sent me a missing person flyer and turns out this person is her brother. You could tell from the email she is at a dead end. She wants someone somewhere to care and give her some answers. So as a sister myself, I made her a promise. I would do more than just share this missing person flyer on my Instagram. I wanted to cover the entire story for her and her brother. I will never know what it is like to not know where your brother is, if he is safe or even alive. So I wanted to help Michelle. I want her to know there are 
a lot of people out there who give a shit. I read the story and all of the red flags and warning signs were going off. Something is strange about this case. I don't think we have even scratched the surface in this case. This seems like a good spot to add my disclaimer that I am not an investigator, I'm not a PI, I'm not affiliated with any police department, I'm just a realtor by day and podcaster by night. This is my podcast, I'm interested in true crime, and I use my own research and my own resources to bring awareness to some of these smaller cases. So there, don't sue me. Take what you hear with a grain of salt. Again, this is not a criminal investigation, so end of disclaimer. So this will become a new series, hopefully. I'm taking a leap of faith and pure insanity to find some answers. If I can't find the answers, I will at least have exhausted every resource possible. So if I have any listeners in Arizona, now is your time to shine. Let me introduce you to Joseph Michael Bolduck. He was born January 4th, 1962. He was 55 years old when he was last seen. He is one of three children. His parents both have passed, and the only family left searching for him is his sister Michelle and brother John. The family was raised in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Joseph enjoyed NHRA racing with his father. Joseph has never been married and has no children. He ended up in Arizona, hundreds of miles away from Florida, to be with his fiancée, Linda K. Paddock. The two had been together for over 10 years. Linda is said to be a registered nurse and lives in the town of Goodyear, Arizona. Prior to living in Goodyear, the two lived in Buckeye, Arizona. Linda owned and sold her home on West Cocopa Street, where they had lived together since approximately 2009. Joseph is a white Caucasian male, 55 years old at the time he was last seen. Brown hair, brown eyes, stands 5 foot 10 inches tall, and weighs 155 pounds. He was last seen wearing a dark colored page boy hat, which is pretty similar to like a golfing hat. He does wear prescription glasses and has a large round brown birthmark on his left thigh. It was the evening of August 26, 2017, when Joseph Bulldog was last seen. He was pulled over at approximately 11.33 p.m. by Officer M. Maltos of the Tolson Police Department. Officer Maltos was working his routine patrol in the area of 8300 West McDowell Road when he responded to a subject leaving a Love's gas station who had been asked to leave by management. I'm still yet to find out why. What happened at that gas station is unknown to me. However, from looking at this police report, it sounds as if Love's gas station management was the one who initiated the call to police. Once Officer Maltos arrived on scene, Joseph had already been stopped by Sergeant L. Garrett for an expired registration. That registration had expired 6-15-2017. Another officer had arrived on scene. This officer was Jay Merkel. He tested Joseph to determine if he had been driving under the influence. 
Joseph must have passed the roadside or breathalyzer because he was not arrested nor charged with driving under the influence. I've only named off three officers that arrived, but looking at this incident report, it states that the responding officers were M. Maltos, L. Garrett, B. Guise, A. Loza, and J. Merkel. So that makes five officers that arrived to a routine traffic stop. Officer Maltos was able to find Joseph's driver's license inside the Jeep. Joseph was honest with the officer, stating he did not have insurance or a current registration. Maltos ran an MVD search of Joseph's name and license, and he discovered that Joseph's Arizona driver's license was suspended. Joseph was cited for his traffic violations, and he was given a Tolson Magistrate Court date for 9-25-2017 at 8.30 a.m. Because of the traffic violation, Joseph's Jeep was impounded and his driver's license was confiscated. Western Towing Company was the one who responded to come tow and impound the vehicle. I looked up this company and they have a Phoenix, Arizona location, 3401 South 43rd Avenue. This is only 8.5 miles away and a 12-minute drive. That wrapped up the traffic stop but I was also told by Michelle, the sister of Joseph, she has about 45 minutes worth of body camera footage from two police officers that responded to the stop. Take note of what Michelle describes she saw in that video footage. In an email with Michelle, she stated she has all of the body-worn video footage on DVD that the police department has sent to her. It's 45 minutes long and from two separate police body-worn cameras. In the video, she states Joseph, or as she calls him, Joe, was cooperative and polite, as the video proves. However, he was intermittently crying. He was very tearful and upset, even expressing profound feelings of depression and his use of antidepressants for his depression. In my own thought process, without having seen the video footage yet, I can imagine that they caught Joseph on a bad night, maybe bringing some of these feelings to the surface after being cited a ticket and then having his Jeep impounded. Also, remember, according to the police report, management also asked Joseph to leave the property of that Love's gas station. It's unclear or just to my knowledge why he was asked to leave, so he could have been upset from that incident, then followed with a traffic stop. Once Joseph signed and received his copy of the citation, Officer Maltos gave Joseph a courtesy ride to the area of Estrella Parkway in Van Burn Street in Goodyear, Arizona. This is approximately 9.9 miles away from where he was stopped, or about an 11-minute drive. When Joseph was dropped off at this intersection location, it is now shortly after midnight. Joseph gets out of the cruiser and walks off into the Arizona night, never seen or heard from since. And now a quick word from this week's very special sponsor. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm a licensed real estate agent right here in Colorado. I specialize in selling residential, commercial, vacant land and lots. I recently had a photo shoot to update my headshots and play around with my style. The photographer asked me to describe myself and my business model. I right away answered with, I'm funny, 
and I'm always the goofiest in the room. I'm a mother of two daughters, raising them to be confident and independent. My business model is summed up into quality. I base my transactions off building personal relationships with my clients so I can better help them reach their goals and dreams. I'm 26, which has been a blessing and a curse. Some would say I'm young and new to the real estate game, but I am just as knowledgeable and hardworking. My clientele is made up of all ages, but the majority is the younger, first-time home buyers. I pride myself in knowing I am relatable to them. I'm comforting and not intimidating. The entire process is made simple, fun, and professional. If you were in the market to buy or sell and live in Colorado, I'd be happy to talk about your dream home and goals. Shoot me an email at rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, at coloradolandco.com. Now back to the episode. Now that that's over with, I wonder who that realtor is. Perchie's like really good. I want to point out a few things that raise him alarm. Joseph had his driver's license confiscated, so if he needed to somehow identify himself, he couldn't have. I hopped on Google Earth and I took a little 3D trip to the exact location that he was dropped off at. This was back in 2017, so I'm going to take a few things i seen with a grain of salt and take my chances maybe some of these things are new or weren't built at the time that this occurred. However, I would think in 2017 in a busy intersection and in Goodyear, Arizona with population estimated at 79,858 people in the year of 2017. I would imagine this traffic light had surveillance video, if not the traffic light itself surrounding businesses. I was on my 3D tour and I noted a Walgreens, an outlet shopping center named Sentara Crossings. I also noticed a Dignity Health sign and when I moved closer, I realized it was a general hospital. So out of all the nearby businesses and gas stations, there could have been surveillance that captured Joseph walking and in which direction to create a foot trail of his movements. Just a little side note, we can't be friends if you didn't just think of Hansel and Gretel's breadcrumb trail, because I did. I did learn that Joseph's fiance lived in Goodyear, Arizona. I won't share her exact house number, but she lived on West Portland Street. Remember, Joseph is on foot. So if he was headed somewhere at midnight, my guess would be to his fiance's house. From the exact crossroads Joseph was dropped off at, it's 19.5 miles away from his fiance Linda Paddock's residence. It would have been a 20-minute car ride approximately, but on foot would have taken him six hours. He was on foot, didn't have his driver's license, no vehicle, and midnight in a large city of Arizona, just outside of Phoenix. It's unknown to me if Joseph made a phone call to Linda to come pick him up from his location and bring him home. It is unknown if Joseph ever made it to Linda's house. According to my source, Linda Paddock has not been involved in the investigation or much help at all. My concern, and Michelle's concern as well, is... Why didn't the police call someone to come pick him up instead of dropping him off at an intersection? Especially after seeing and hearing how upset he was, 
He expressed his depression and he was upset about his Jeep being towed. At the very least, they could have driven him to a hospital for a suicide evaluation. They could have called his fiance to pick him up or they could have contacted his sister, Michelle, for further guidance on what to do for him next. So my first thought process when I first read very little detail about this case was maybe he walked off into the dark and commit suicide somewhere. I however thought about this some more and it just doesn't seem logical. Joseph was pulled over. He didn't have a weapon on him. He was on foot. So how far could he have gone to a remote location or to access a weapon without identification? Also, when you kill yourself, you don't have the ability to dispose of your own body. You can't bury yourself or hide your remains. So eventually, if this were the case, he would have been found by someone by now. I found in my research and a 3D tour of Goodyear, there is a lot of housing development growth. Eventually, somewhere, someone would have found Joseph and or any weapon he might have used or had access to. Linda Paddock has not verified if Joseph made it to her residence in the early morning of now August 27th, 2017. In fact, it was Joseph's sister, Michelle, who lives 2,141 miles or a 32-hour trip away from her brother who reported Joseph missing. I personally attempted to reach Linda Paddock myself. I got a text message response, but once I explained who I was and what I am trying to uncover, she has since stopped communication. Michelle filed a missing person report with the Goodyear Police Department. I am unaware how much time passed without contact with Joseph that alarmed her to file a report. I have the Goodyear Police Department phone number, the detective in charge of the missing person investigation, as well as a report number. Michelle states she has never received a copy of the missing person report. I attempted my own search and I had no luck finding a report either. The only missing person flyer I could find was the one made by Michelle herself. You can also find the missing person report on nameus.com. That's N-A-M capital U-S dot com. It is a database for missing persons. You can submit your own missing person report right from your computer. NAMAS even had law enforcement collect Michelle's DNA for submission into the nationwide database in hopes that if they were to have come across unidentified remains, they would be able to identify him using his sister's DNA profile. Joseph never appeared to his court date that was given for his traffic citation. He never attempted to get his Jeep or belongings that were impounded either. Michelle states Joseph had the means and the money to do so if given the chance. And in her opinion, Joseph definitely would have wanted to get those items and his Jeep back. Now let me add this quick little disclaimer yet again. I am not a private investigator, nor a part of any law enforcement, and I am not hinting nor saying Linda is involved in any way. She has never been named a person of interest or even questioned in my knowledge. This is not a criminal investigation. With that being said, take this next statement, do what you want with it, and you come up with your own theories. My source stated Joseph's 
passport, birth certificate, social security card, as well as a boat and a trailer in his name are all missing. Now, if he were to take this boat on his own doing to say, flee and create a new life or under a different name, he would have had to have means to pull the boat and the trailer to some kind of water. Remember, his Jeep was impounded, so I am unaware where this boat was located or if there was another vehicle he could have driven. So if someone were to flee by boat and start a new life, they would have had to have access to a coast. So the closest coast in Arizona is the Gulf of California, which from Arizona, he would have needed to cross the Mexico border to access. His passport is missing, so if we go off of that theory, there would be documentation of him crossing the border. Do not think this is the theory, but I wanted to explore the variables. I am aware missing adults are probably handled much differently than, say, missing children or young adults for that matter, so any search efforts for Joseph are unknown and probably slim chances they ever took place. For my source's opinion, Linda Paddock has not been very helpful in pushing for answers or keeping tabs on the investigation. Michelle lives in Florida, thousands of miles away. The family she has left is her only brother now. She expressed the frustration of being so far away and not being able to push for answers and investigations. The best way I could do my part in helping her find some peace and closure would be to cover the story on my platform. To hope more ears hear this, more eyes see his picture, and hope that someone somewhere might have a tip that could push the investigation further. As a sister myself, I empathize what Michelle is enduring. The unknown, the unanswered questions, the fear of where her brother might be, if he is alive, if he's dead, and if so, not being able to properly mourn the loss, lay him to rest, and have a designated place to come visit him just to bring flowers and whisper a few words hoping he can hear you. That is what struck my heartstrings when I opened that email. So I will leave the contact information for anyone who may know of details or have any tips for this case. The Goodyear Police Department's phone number is 623-882-7448. Or you can contact name us NAM capital U-S. The Regional Program Specialist contact for this case is Dustin Driscoll, and his phone number is 817-240-4106. And his email is Dustin, D-U-S-T-I-N dot Driscoll, D-R-I-S-C-O-L-L at U-N-T-H-S-C edu. That is all I have for you this Wednesday. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I wanted to briefly thank Michelle for reaching out to me. I am continuing prayers for you and your family in hopes of finding Joseph. I encourage any of my listeners to do the same. If you or someone you know has a case or investigation they would like to be heard, please email me. I'm happy to cover on my show. If you enjoy my content, remember to share my episode and show with a friend. Follow me on social media, tag me, rate me, and leave me a review. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy. Join me next Wednesday for my newest 
episode. Until then, stay weird, my friends. Oh, and one more thing. Hi, Mom. Thank you.